We are in Parashat Toledot in the Benish Haim. We are in the middle of learning Hilchot Shabbat, and this is the fourth class on Parashat Toledot. We are in the laws of the Kriata Torah, the Torah reading. This is part two. Last week was part one, and this week, Razat Hashem, is part two. We hope, Razat Hashem, to conclude the Halachot this week, as well as to finish the Parashat of Toledot, so we can move on already next week to Parashat Vayetzeh. Before we begin the class, we want to say that this class is sponsored Lalu Nishmat Baruch Men Banzal Shalom. And if anybody else would like to sponsor any classes, Lalu Nishmat or Lehatzlaha or Shalema, in honor of somebody, you could text us in to the radio station at 347-927-8398. We want to we want to apologize before we begin. We want to apologize to the ladies because I know that this class is. Um, it's all about Kriyata Torah, and this is where the ladies really kind of uh, don't know what's going on so much, and they don't and really shouldn't, because the halakha, although the halakha says ladies could go up, but before we go crazy on the halakha, there's a lot of explanations. Ladies do not get aliyot in the tzibur, as Maran's posik. We don't give ladies aliyot to the Torah, and therefore ladies don't know what the halakhot, or don't need to know really these halakhot. So really this is a halakha primarily for men. Maybe we'll talk about Musaf at the end, and that's a little bit practical, that's a little bit relevant to the ladies. But for now, this is really a halakha primarily for men, and especially if you're a person who's involved in the shul, where you give at aliyot, you're the gabai, you're the rabbi also, the rabbi of the shul has to know these halakhot, these are very important halakhot that we need to know. And not only that, in the summer, people go away, and a lot of times the gabai will be away, and therefore you may be in the position where you'll have to know these halakhot and to know what to do. And a lot of times these halakhot are very vague because they come up only when it's necessary. What we'll do, Barzat Hashem, today is we're going to review a little bit from last week. We're going to clarify a little bit from the halakhot that we spoke about last week, add a few points that we weren't able to get to last week, and then discuss some of the other issues that are relevant to the halakhot of Kriyat HaTorah. Let's begin. Again, some of, the, some of it will sound familiar. Whatever we said last week, I'm going to say very quickly. Although I was told I sp- I'm speaking too fast, so I'll speak a little bit slower today. Let's begin. Seven subjects we, s- we touched upon last week. We're reviewing them very quickly. Number one is, we mentioned the Zohar, that when you take out the Sefer Torah from the, from the Aaron, the Sefer Torah, taking out the Sefer Torah, reading the Sefer Torah, according to the Zohar, is equivalent to standing by Har Sinai. It's like you're standing by Ma'amad Har Sinai, and therefore we'll add a Segula, that just like by Ma'amad Har Sinai Hashem, healed all those who are sick. Hashem also completed anything that somebody was missing. Likewise, if we treat the shul, if we treat the Kriyata Torah in the shul, as if we're standing by Har Sinai, the halakha will be, the, the atmosphere will be the same. Hashem will answer at tefillot, Hashem yemimaleh hasronenu. Whatever we're missing, Hashem will complete it. Second point that we mentioned last week is, when we take out the Sefer Torah, we mentioned that People follow it, and there's different menhagim. Basically, whether you do it before the reading of the Torah or after the reading of the Torah, we show the ktav, we show the writing of the Sefer Torah to the whole kahal, and people look at it, and we mentioned that there's a custom by the Ashkenazim that they point to the Sefer Torah with their pinky. And that's brought down, we said that's an old menhag that's brought down. I didn't have an answer for it. I didn't know a reason why they pointed the pinky. One caller suggested that's connected to the Melika that the Kohen Gadol does in the Beit HaMikdash. And what Melika is, just for those who are not familiar, Melika is 
likes your hitab, but on a bird. In the Beit HaMikdash, two types of animals were brought. Either an animal, of like a cow or whatever it was, or, or a sheep, or you brought a bird. And the bird was not slaughtered, like the way the cows and the sheep were. The, the birds had to be, you have to have a melika performed by it. Now, the person suggested that maybe in the melika, which is done by the pinky, really, this is, um, I, I, I didn't correct it last week, but really melika is not done with the pinky of the kohen. It was done with the thumb of the kohen. But I still want to say to that person who called last week, uh, like I tell the guys in the Gemara, we have a Gemara class, and my style of the Gemara class is not to just read the Gemara and translate and explain, but rather to get the class interactive. And I tell them that I'm more interested in the thought process that went through to try to give an answer more than the correct answer. So therefore, for the effort, you get an A+. At least trying to figure out what the answer is. And we still don't have an answer. But has been shown for a person to be minhag, to put down a minhag, Minhagim that Klali Sa'el do, even if we don't have an answer or a reason for it, just because we're not familiar with it. If you see everybody's doing it, we don't knock down Minhagim unless they are against Halakha. In that case, a person has to know. If it's 100% against Halakha, then that Minhag has to be stopped in a certain, in a proper way. And of course, it has to be done with Da'at Torah. You have to ask the rabbis, the Gidolim, who ask them if you should stop or you should... Um, Say anything against minhag. But otherwise, any minhag that the Jewish people do, if it's not against halakha, so what's the problem with it? Okay, so you don't understand an answer, a reason. Uh, not a big deal. So they point with the pinky. They want to point with a different finger. It doesn't make a difference. The other point that we spoke about last week is the aliyot, the order of the aliyot. We said that al-pi kabbalah, the best aliyah for a person to have on Shabbat is the sixth aliyah, which is aliyah tishi. This doesn't mean what it says in the humash tishi. This means that the sixth person to go up to the Sefer Torah is the best aliyah. It represents the Midah of Yesod. And according to Kabbalah, the least best aliyah is Shevi'i. That's according to Kabbalah. Although once upon a time, people were mahshib the first aliyah or the last aliyah or the third aliyah. In this case, according to the Zohar and to the Mekubalim, the sixth person to go up is the best aliyah. And anybody that goes up after the seventh person, let's say there's a Simhan Nishul and they want to add aliyot, like the way this Faradim add, then all these people don't count as part of the seven. That's of course, that's lower than even the seventh person. The greatest one, like we said, is to be one of the seven and the best one is the sixth person. I saw, or the really, the tour brings down, I didn't mention this last week, is that the reason why we have seven alim on Shabbat, we explain Api Kabbalah, seven represents the seven sefirot, but Api Pshat, some bring down, we know that every single day we say Barechu et Hashem HaMeborach in the shul. And you have to say that with a minyan. You can't say Bayahid because he's saying Hashem, uh, Hashem's name. It's kind of like a blessing. So you need a minyan for it. And the Sfarim bring down that a person doesn't get his soul completely back unless he says Barechu et, et Hashem HaMeborach. So that's uh, Baruch Hashem HaMeborach, excuse me, La'olam If Therefore, it's very important for a person not to miss Barechu in shul. So in case a person was anus and he couldn't make it to the shul, for whatever reason it may be, he couldn't make it to shul throughout the week, on Shabbat, you're not busy. There's no work. You're not involved in other things. So on Shabbat, when you go and you hear the Sefer Torah, and you have seven people at least going up to the Sefer Torah, and each person is saying, you could answer the seven Baruch Hashem that will substitute for the six or seven days that you missed in the shul. Well, you didn't say the Barakhus. That's the way the tour brings it down, why we have seven Olim on Shabbat. 
Next, we also mentioned the fourth halakha that we mentioned last week. Again, we're saying it very quickly. Is that there's absolutely no problem for a Sfaradi to get an aliyah in an Ashkenazi shul where they're reading from an Ashkenazi Sefer Torah and vice versa. There's also no problem for a Sfaradi to get an aliyah by an, an Ashkenazi shul. Absolutely no problem. You could get an aliyah without any problem, even by Temanim. Now, why do I say even by Temanim? I have nothing against anybody. Why even by Temanim? Because Temanim have a few changes in their Sefer Torah, different from the Ashkenazim and Sfaradim as well. There's some words where they either add a letter or subtract a letter, replace a letter, sometimes with a He, sometimes with an Aleph. We're not going to go into it right now. But still, even though the Temanim have changes in their Aliyot, we're still allowed to get an aliyah by them, and to make a berakha, and to answer on them. That is an important halakha we didn't mention last week by the Timanim. No, regardless who, which aidats it is, and I don't want to bring it down, but I so brought down that, I forgot who it was, he speaks very, very sharply. Anybody who goes up, anybody who refuses to go up from a different kehillah, has shalom, he's, besides the fact that he's insulting the, the, the kehillah, he's motzi la'az also on the Sefer Torah, and it's a very, very big criticism on the person who refuses to get an aliyah by different, uh, let's say, Ashkenazi, by Sfaradi, or Sfaradi, Ashkenazi, or Temani even, has his own, he could be, he can need a lot of Teshubah, and uh, the Sfarim speak very, very harshly about such a person. Okay? Now, we want to mention something we didn't mention last week. By If you go to shuls, you see that when the person gets aliyah, there's three people standing by the by the teba, where they put the... Uh, the Sefer Torah. There's a person who's reading, called the Baal Koreh. There's a person receiving the Aliyah who stands next to him. And there's also the person who invites people to go up. Or in some shuls, that person is called the Somech. The Sfaradim, we call him the Somech. He not necessarily invites, but the Ashkenazim invites, but the Sfaradim, he's standing there to make sure that the Hazan or the Baal Koreh doesn't make any mistakes, or if he needs some assistance sometimes. There's always three people. How come? And only that, even when you see that the person, the Baal Koreh, is getting Aliyah, we still keep another person next to him. Where does that come from? So the Gra explains, there's a pasuk that Moshe says, Moshe tells the Jewish people, I am warning you today in front of the heavens and the earth, I'm making them as my witnesses. And, and the Halakha says, when you warn a person, in many places in the Torah we find, when you warn a person, you need witnesses and you need at least two witnesses. So likewise over here, when you're standing by the Torah and the Baal Koreh is reading, there should be two other people there as if Hashem is speaking, there's two people there listening. The Levush gives a different reason, a beautiful explanation. He says, the reading of the Torah, like going online, like we said in the beginning, like the Zohar says, that it's like standing by Har Sinai, this Somech, the one who's standing by the side, the one who invites people to go up, is like Hashem. He chooses who's going to go up, who's going to read. The Baal Koreh is like Moshe Rabbeinu, who's relating the mitzvot to the Jewish people. And the person receiving the Aliyah himself, he is the Aleh, he represents the Jewish people themselves who are receiving the Torah. And that's, again, the same idea that we are like the Jewish people standing by Har Sinai. The Darche, there's a sefer called Darche Tzedek, and he brings over there a very, very interesting idea. He says if a person has the right understanding, this doesn't mean, mean you could do this. It has to be a special, special person who has the right understanding. He could figure out who the person is, whether what we see on the outside and even what he does in hiding from the aliyah that he gets.
It's an amazing concept. Rabbi Pesach Kron used to say that all the time. He says, but it's brought down in Darchet Tzedek. That a person receiving Aliyah, you can tell what type of person is from the, based on the Aliyah. But again, we cannot do that. It has to be somebody special. I'll give you a Midrash in Kohelet that brings an interesting story. And you can see the idea also reflected in the Midrash. It says over there, Rabbi Lazam al-Arach, who was one of the students of Rabbi Yohanan and Zakai, who was one of the greatest, of the greatest students of Rabbi Yohanan and Zakai, he went to live in a certain city where he basically, according to the Midrash, he partook into materialism too much. And he got an aliyah by Parashat Bo, where he was supposed to say, HaChodesh HaZelachim. And by mistake, he said he read the words, HaChodesh HaYalibam. Basically, if you look at the words, HaChodesh HaZelachim, you see how it's very easy to confuse those letters. And he read those words, HaChodesh HaYalibam, which means their hearts became silent. And Hazab point out from there that he was pulled too much towards Gashmiyut on his level. He was pulled too much towards materialism. And therefore, he ended up reading, he ended up making a mistake. There's no mistakes when a person gets an aliyah. It's a message from HaKadosh Baruch Hashem is relating to the person something. And if you're the one receiving aliyah, don't look for other people's interpretations. You see the aliyah that you get and try to see, try to keep your heart open when HaKadosh Baruch Hashem Sometimes if you go in there with that innocence and you really and you go up in the you'll see that sometimes the words will 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 stab you like a dagger. You'll hear it. You'll, wow, that's a message from Hakadosh Baruch Hu. And that is the point that we wanted to make over you. When you're receiving Aliyah, you're like standing by Hazanan, Hashem is talking to you directly. Next point we mentioned. Next halakha we mentioned that last week is that if a person is in the middle of tefillah and you're invited to go up to the aliyah. Now this invited by the way, this only applies like the way it is by the Ashkenazim. You know by the Ashkenazim they call up your name to go up. For example, let's say, Ya'amod Rav Yitzchak ben Rav Yaakov Shlishi. Okay, you're invited in front of everybody. And that's why with Ashkenazim you can't fall asleep during Kriyat Torah. You gotta always be alert because they might call your name right away. But as Sferadim, they go up and they invite. How come there's different minhagim? So really once upon a time, you see from the Torah, from the Gemara as well, that everybody was invited in front of everybody. Everybody was invited to go up to read the, the Sefer Torah. However, the Halakha says if a person refuses, if a person refuses to, so I'm getting a text right now that it's a Gemara, not a Midrash. I appreciate that comment, but it's also a Midrash in Kohelet as well. You look in Midrash in Kohelet, I'll give you the exact source, Bazat Hashem, call me afterwards. So the, the, uh, the uh, Hidab brings on that really, because of the Halakha says that a person who refuses the Aliyah, is considered like they cut down his life. So therefore, because of that, the, the Hidab says that there was a Takana by the Rishonim, the earlier rabbis by the Sfaradim, excuse me, Takana in Yerushalayim, that they don't invite people with their names. That's what if you ever pray by the Sfaradim, they never call you up to your name. Most Sfaradim. Why? Because of this Takana. Maybe a person will refuse Aliyah. And Hasr if a person refuses Aliyah, then he is not going to be able to go up. He's not going to be able to go up. And Hasr it could be like an insult to the Sefer Torah. And Hasr there's a Kalala with it. So we invite a person personally to go up to the Aliyah. However, if you're in the middle of Tefillah, even if you're Ashkenazi or you're praying by Ashkenazi and they invite you, you could go up as long as you're not in the middle of Kriyat Shema, it means the actual reading of Shema, or the Amidah. Any other part, 
like the Brachot Kriyat Shema according to Minishan, for sure, Pesukeh Dezimra, you could go up, you could get your Aliyah, you could say the Brachot, read together with the Hazam, with the Baal Koreh, and that's it. Don't get a Mishibirach and just walk, the, and you know, just finish Aliyah and that's it, you're done. And go, go back to your Tefillah. Okay, that is only with Ashkenazi. But if you're Sfaradi and they're coming to invite you, or you're Ashkenazi praying with this Sfaradi and they're coming to invite you for Aliyah, you should simply just refuse it and you know wave your hand and explain to them the Intefillah. And like we said last week, any justified reason to not get an Aliyah works as long as it's a justified reason and it could be out of embarrassment or whatever it may be that you don't want to get an Aliyah. You, the Kalala doesn't apply to such a person. Next halakha that we mentioned last week is the conduct of the, sh- the kahal during reading. And I got a lot of comments for this, that Baruch Hashem, I got a Hazak Baruch. For the people who go to shul, and they're sincere, and they want to hear the Torah. And you say, no, Rabotai, you got to be careful. We, speaking in shul is already bad enough. I, I remember a family that they had a person who was uh, in a very, very big sakana. And they called up all the gedolim to get berachot from them. And they went to Rav Chaim Kanievsky. And they asked Rav Chaim Kanievsky, what could we do as a zechut, as a merit, in order to speed up the refuah shelema of this person in our family? And Rav Chaim Kanievsky says... Besides Shabbat, he says, everybody should be Mikabe Shabbat a little earlier. He says, one person out of the family should accept upon himself not to talk in shul. Not to speak at all during in shul. No matter what, not to speak at all. And Rav Miller says, the same story, also Rav Miller had a similar story, Allah was Rav Miller Zatzal said, that if a person, if a person wants a refuah even if he has to go and switch shuls and he's praying, davening, he should go to a shul where there's no talking at all during davening, during, at all. And that brings a lot of Yeshuaot. And Abotai, it's very important not to talk to you, especially during Kriyata Torah. You're standing by Har Sinai. How could you talk during Kriyata Torah? We're not going to talk much about it, but we're going to bring a halakha that's important. What about learning during Kriyata Torah? And we said that you're not allowed, a person is not allowed to learn during the reading of the Torah. Even the very Torah, you're saying words of Gemara, it's Asur. However, there is a heter, Maram brings it down, and that is to read Shnaim Mikra Targum of that week's parasha. This parasha is parashat hukat. If a person is delayed, and the only time he could say shnaim targum is during the reading of the Torah that's done in the shul, then the person could, according to Maran, according to one of the opinions that Maran brings down, you could read shnaim mikra targum during the reading of Kriyat HaTorah. Now, really, like a person shouldn't learn. And although Maran permits it, he allows it, some Ahronim, like the Pihadash and the Shla, forbid it. So therefore, you should only rely on this opinion when it's really, really necessary. I personally, I'm so mech, I rely on this opinion when uh, when Parashat Bereshit, like this, this year and last year, where we jump from Simchat Torah right into Shabbat. And I don't have time really to read, to go over the whole, Parashat Bereshit, it's very, very long. And I don't have time to go over the whole Parashat Shnai Mikra Hatargum, whatever the reason may be, I'm exhausted, whatever it may be. So, you, And if I can't say before I get to Shahrit, of Shabbat, then I'm so much on this opinion that once a year to say Parashat Bereshit during Hatagum during the reading of the Torah. But otherwise, a person should try to avoid it as well. Another point we want to bring out over here that during the reading of the Torah, the tzibur should be mechaven men or women over here. If we still have some ladies listening, men or women should be mechaven to the berachot to the blessings of the people going up. Every person that's going up to the Torah is making two berachot, one before the Torah, one before the reading, and one after the reading. You need to have seven ali, alim plus the maftir, that's already eight aliyot. 
Eight aliyah times two, that's 16 extra berachot. Why is that important? Because on every single day, Davina Melech instituted that every single day a person should make 100 blessings. Every single day. During the weekday where the Amidah is longer, we have 19 blessings in each Amidah. So we're saying three Amidot, three times 19, it comes out to 57. Plus all berachot shahar, berachot kriyat shema. So it adds up. And if you berachot of eating, you're already there. But on Shabbat, our Amidah is only seven berachot. Although we have Musaf, but still that takes us from 57 to seven times four, that's only 28. So we're missing a lot of berachot. So we try to get berachot as much as possible. We try to eat a little extra. We try to make berachot on things that we don't normally would make berachot on, like besamim, atzeh besamim, mine besamim, whatever we could try to get, we try to get. Here's an easy way. Be mechaven to the blessings of the person getting the aliyah, the first and after blessing. Also to Hazrat Hashas, you don't need the kavana of the person getting the aliyah. You could be mechaven to the berachot even without them having kavana to be motzi with the berachot. Just listening from the, to the berachah from beginning to the end and answering Amen, that berachah could count as one of the hundred blessings for you. So that's very important to keep in mind. Men and women as well. If you're in shul, to be mechaven to the blessings that are being said either by Hazrat Hashas or by Kriyat Torah, and this way you could put on your list of the 100 Berachot and makes it much easier to fulfill the 100 blessings on Shabbat. Next halakha that we discussed last week, and this is the last one from last week, and then we'll go into the halakha for this week. That the person who's getting the Aliyah has to read together with the Baal Koreh. Of course, not out loud, but, but to himself silently, that he shouldn't disturb even the Baal Koreh. He doesn't have to hear it in himself. Meaning, let's say me, me personally, I'm getting the Aliyah right now, and I, I'm not reading the Aliyah, the Baal Koreh is reading. The Baal Koreh is reading out loud, so the whole Tzibuk should hear. Me, I should read together with him, the words in the Sefer Torah, and only for myself, I don't even need to hear myself in my own ears. It could just go by itself. I could just hear it together with the Baal, the Baal Koreh, could just read, and I'm reading together along with him. What about if a person cannot read? Mean to say he doesn't know how to read Hebrew. And this applies to a person, he, either he's a Baal Teshuvah, a person who is blind, or a person who is Amalit, doesn't know how to read. What do you do in such a case? Actually, Mahlokit. According to Maran, you can't give him Aliyah. According to the Ramah, you could give him an Aliyah. You could be Somech on the opinions that say, Shomeya Kohanen, you could give him an Aliyah. So really, according to Sfaradim, you should try to avoid the situation as much as possible. There are some, certain people that you have to honor in shul. You have to give them some sort of kavod, try to give them more petiha. Yes, of course, you have to give them aliyah once in the blue moon. So then you have what to be so mechan. You have the Ramah, you have Hamad Zion who's matirit bedi'avad. But again, try to avoid it as much as possible. A person doesn't know how to read, then according to Maran, the bracha is libatala. And therefore, you have to warn the kahal about this. There are a lot of people who get aliyot and don't know the salakha. The rabbi has a responsibility to announce the salakha in shul because according to Maran, if you're not reading the aliyah and just about Korea is reading, according to Maran, it's a barakhali batala and therefore it's a responsibility of the rabbi or anybody in the shul that's in the position to make such an announcement to warn and to tell everybody to read along. And Baruch Hashem, most people do know how to read. They just have to be aware of it. You're not insulting anybody. You make this halakha, you announce this halakha once, twice, three times till you drill it into them. And maybe the Baal Koreh himself should remind the people when they're getting the aliyah to read along, the, uh, to read along with the Baal Koreh as they're getting the aliyah. And now we get to this week's questions. And we have a big question this week. Now we spoke about who could you give an aliyah. Question comes up now. You told me now, I can't give an aliyah to a person who doesn't know how to read. What about a person who's mehalil Shabbat? 
Can I give an aliyah to a person who is mehalil Shabbat? Or maybe not. Why do I say such a thing? Okay. So the answer is as follows. First of all, you have to know the status of a mehalil Shabbat. Halakha brings down a person who is mehalil Shabbat has the same deen as a goy. He is like a goy in all cases. If he's a mehalil Shabbat and he touches your wine, it makes the wine yain nesikh. If he's a mehalil Shabbat and he lives in an in a neighborhood or in an area they need to make a rubhat surat, he has the rules as a goy. I know it's very severe, it's a very sharp statement, it's a very strong statement, but I don't have to be apologetic for the halakha, this is what the halakha says. However, I'll clarify the halakha. The halakha says that this applies only to mehalil shabbat b'farhesya and not mehalil shabbat b'tana. What is b'farhesya, what is b'tana? And mehalil shabbat, there are a lot of people mehalil shabbat. Our people mehalil shabbat b'shogeg by mistake. They don't know that's halul shabbat. How many people know the halachot of borer that they could say that they never committed a surah of borer on shabbat? When we get to halachot borer, we'll be shocked how many times a person could be transgressing in the surah deoraita or bishul sometimes, right? So we're not talking about that. We're talking about a person who knows that this is asur and he does it anyway. It could be done. The person could commit the isur shabbat in one of two ways: either betzana, which means Behind closed doors, he's embarrassed of somebody, of people. That means in his house, he'll put on the TV, he'll change the channel, he'll make the volume louder. You know, that's called bitsana. Bifarhesa means he's not embarrassed of anybody. He'll do it in public, and there's not one person in the world that he's embarrassed from. I'll tell you a story. One time I was walking down a certain block, I was going to visit a relative of mine, and they have to live by a certain block, whatever it is. And on the way to the block, I saw a friend of mine from many years ago that I haven't seen in many, many years. And he's walking out of his house. And I saw that there was another person who looked like a goy waiting for him, coming out of a car waiting for him. As he's walking out, I saw that he had a cigarette in his hand on Shabbat and he had some sort of keys in his hand. And he's walking out into his car. This is on Shabbat. He turns a little bit to the direction where I was coming from. He notices me from far. Right away, I see him giving something to the goy. Obviously, he gave him the keys. He threw away his cigarette and he told the goy, he whispered something. All of a sudden, the goy went away. And then he sees me. He gives me a hug. Shabbat shalom. How are you, Rabbi? What's going on? He didn't call me Rabbi. We were friends. So, what's going on? We're talking. Very. It was very nice to see him. Nice to see you. Oh, okay. And then, I, how you doing? Where are you going? Nothing. Just hanging out outside. I continued my way. He stood there, of course. And of course, once I turned the corner, I'm sure he'd continue to do whatever he did. So that person is embarrassed. Even though I'm only his friend, but still, he's embarrassed. He's embarrassed to be Mahalil Shabbat in front of other people that he knows. So that guy doesn't have the status of a goy. The person who has the status of a goy is that there's nobody in the world that he'll be embarrassed from. He'll smoke a cigarette in front of any rabbi, any person that he respects, in front of his father, in front of his friends, in front of his wife. He doesn't care about anybody. That person who's Mahalil Shabbat Bifarhesia, he has a deen like a goy. Now the question is, how do you do this? How do you deal with this in shul? Even a person who's the guy is riding a car, you're honoring a guy that everybody knows, this guy goes to work, and now he has a yurtzah, he's coming to shul, and you're giving him an aliyah. So this is a very complicated question. Before we begin to answer the question, I want to first quote to you, Hakam Abadiyah brings from a shoot called Zkan Aharon Wolken. And he says, I'm going to translate it in English, he says, one must be very, very patient and sensitive in these cases, and don't be quick to make a decision. You should know, people who are coming to shul and expecting an aliyah, and you refuse them an aliyah, uh, could could be could go both ways. Sometimes it's 
you can make your point and you and you'll make a point not only to the person but to the rest of the kahal and sometimes it works backwards it fires against you where you could turn the person completely off and sometimes you could unfortunately a person who makes a decision quickly without getting the right information somebody might come up to the rabbi in the shul and say hey that person is Mahalei Shabbat and you just take his testimony without asking any questions and maybe the person is not Mahalei Shabbat why is he Mahalei Shabbat? oh because he doesn't know most people don't know Borer. or a person may may have just heard about him don't be quick to paskin who is a Mahalei Shabbat or not so that's number one that's the first thing before we start off but now we're talking about a guy that we know for sure is Mahalei Shabbat give you an example I was once coming to shul and we had a simhan in the shul. And coming to the shul, I saw a person who right in front of me was driving, parked his BMW right outside the shul, and he walked into the shul and he said hello to me. You know, Shabbat Shalom. He didn't know I was a rabbi at the shul. <laughs> right? He walked into the shul and he came down. At the same time that he was walking in, many people were coming to the shul. A lot of people from the car were coming to the shul and they came to me and said, Rabbi, you don't, you're not giving this guy an idea. We also home drive on Shabbat. So in such a case, that's clear. The guy drove on Shabbat, and we saw clearly that this guy is Mahalei Shabbat Bifar Hesia, and he didn't care. Maybe he would have done a bit, and maybe there's somebody he's embarrassed from. But in that case, it was very clear, obvious that the person is Mahalei Shabbat, right? So these kind of things you have to know. It's also a simhan how to do it in the polite way. Whatever I had my way of doing it, but keep in mind again: don't jump to Paskin who is Mahalei Shabbat or not. Talk. Make sure that the, you have your information from the right source, and then you can begin already discussing the halakha. Let's get to the halakha now about this person, the ole, who's going up to Shabbat. Obviously, if you could try to avoid it, if a person has to get an, has to get some sort of honor in the shul, and he's a mehalil Shabbat, so then you try to give him petihat haikha, let him carry the Torah, let him give him any other honors. But to give him the aliyah, then you already have to be careful. Now, question is as follows. Could he be counted as one of the olim. That's number one we have to discuss. We already mentioned that there's a minimum of seven olim that go up on Shabbat. Could this person who's Mahalei Shabbat be counted as one of the olim? And number two we have to know is, could this person who's Mahalei Shabbat, with the part, what about the part that he read? Are we Yotzei Dehubah from the part that was read in shul from that person? And the answer is as follows. A person who's Mahalei Shabbat cannot be counted as one of the olim. A person who's known to be a Mahalei Shabbat you cannot count him as one of the only. If you have to give him an aliyah, you have to give him an aliyah, then make sure that there should be additional aliyot. Give him the extra aliyah. That means, let's say you have a simha. You have, by the Sfaradim, when they have a bar mitzvah or a simhat hatan, so they add aliyot. So let's say you're giving anyway 15, 18, 20 aliyot anyway that Shabbat. Make sure you're ready. After number seven, you you only invite this person who's Mahalei Shabbat after number seven. Again, we're talking about the guy that you know is Mahalei Shabbat. If you don't know, you don't have to go ask. If you have real suspicion, listen, the guy the guy's car is parked outside. You didn't see it in the morning and all of a sudden in the afternoon you see the guy's car parked in the shul parking lot. Then you have room to suspect, okay. But otherwise, if you have nothing to suspect, don't ask. It's better not to know. But if you do know, Try to avoid giving him an aliyah. If you can, you have to give him an aliyah because if you don't give him, it could cause either a fight. It could cause things that are worse. Then you do give him an aliyah. Then give him an aliyah and make sure only after the seven olim. But he cannot be counted as one of the seven. What about the reading? The reading that he read, it's fine. It's you're Because the reading is not being read by him. It's being read by the Baal Kore. And number two is also, there's a whole arichut and to explain this, to clarify more, I'm just going to say Bikitsur. That the reading that's done is made for the sake of the tzibur. Not to be Yotzei Dehaba, but because it's a takana to read in the shul, Sefer Torah. And therefore, 
this person who, even though he read, or even though we're reading for him, the Baqarah is reading for him, he's still, you're still going to say the Hubad, the reading. The, uh, the proof is, in very short, that let's say there's a Kohen in the shul and he's supposed to go up first. By mistake, you invited, you thought that there's no Kohen, and you invited a regular Isaiah to go up first. And now the Kohen stands up and says, hey, what about me? And already the, 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 you started the Aliyah for the person who went up. So could that reading count? And the answer is 100%. Because the reading is made for the sake of the shul, for the kahal to hear, and not for that person is going to be motziyu. So that's one thing to keep in mind. The other thing that this that Svarim bring down, it could be that this person is a tinok shenishba. What does that mean? It means really this person doesn't know any better. Yes, he knows that there's Shabbat. He knows he's not supposed to drive on Shabbat, but he doesn't know the, the importance of Shabbat. He doesn't think it's so important. He thinks it's like, I don't know, it's like uh, waiting six hours between meat and dairy. Okay, he's supposed to wait six hours, so he waits five hours. This guy also, he doesn't think that's such a big deal. It's not, a, it's not accepted to drive on Shabbat, but he doesn't know the severity. He doesn't know the punishments. So he could be considered like a Tinoksha Nishba. Like the Rambam brings down by, he says, the, by the children of the Karaim. Rabbam says, referring to the children of Karaim, he says, Even though his father is a Jew, and even though his father told him wrong, still, he's considered like a Tinok that was captured by the Goyim, because he doesn't know anybody, he's like an Anus. And therefore, Rambam concludes regarding those people, it's proper the person try to bring them back in Chuba, try to bring them closer to the Torah. And therefore, in combination with what we said beforehand, that really he's not being motziyu. Also, he's getting the aliyah after the seventh aliyah. So there is room to be lenient, especially that you don't want to make a fight in the shul. You don't want people to have bad feelings in the shul. So then you can do it. If you could get him to get an aliyah, that has been read already, or it's going to be repeated, that is the best. That's even much better than that. Okay? And of course, the people who are going up again should be people, who are, of course, who are Shomre, Torah, or Shomer, uh, Mitzvot. Now, up to here is the halakha of what you could do. What you could not do is what Moshe Feinstein brings down. Rabbi Moshe Feinstein says, I'm going to read you his words. He says, all this is to give the kibbutz for the people who are, you know, you have to give them because otherwise it's going to create a fight or whatever. But not a person who's he's going to work because he feels that he needs the money. He feels that he has to open up today. If he doesn't open on Shabbat, he's not going to make money. That guy knows it's wrong to drive on Shabbat, but he's doing it because he feels he has to. We're talking about a guy over here who's kofir. He knows, and he denies that there's a God in the world. He denies the Torah. He's make he others very down a person who makes fun of religion. He puts down religion, and now his brother is making a Simhan shul, and he has to come. He has to show his face, and he doesn't care about Torah. He thinks it's all a joke. Such a person, he says, says of Moshe Feinstein, bechol often en la Torah. You should not call them to the Torah at all. How could you honor such a person in the shul? The guy is kofir. And not only that, if such a person, again, he has to be 100% kofir. He has to be a person that's known. He denies the Torah, he denies its religion. Not a person who's questioning. Don't, don't mix the two together. A lot of people have questions. They haven't heard of Yossi Mizrahi. They haven't heard of Amno Yitzhak. They haven't heard people who convince them of the truth of the Torah. So they have questions. We all have questions. 
But when they keep or they try to keep, but some people are not so inspired. We're talking about a person who is kofir. He denies it straight out. He goes, speaks against it. He'll eat pig on Yom Kippur and that falls out on Shabbat while driving a car and smoking a cigarette in your face. That guy, that's the guy that we're talking about. That person has for someone to give them aliyah. Can't give them any, you can't give them even any honors if you could. Even if you, you have to be able to put your foot down, you have to understand not to let it go. I've heard of a sickening story. Let's show you how far it goes. There's a very, very wealthy person that came to Shul where his daughter was engaged to a goy. Okay? His daughter was engaged to a goy. He's sitting in Shul and it was Yom Kippur and a person has his Allah money and on Yom Kippur, he buys the carrying of the Torah for his son-in-law, the goy. He brings his son-in-law, the goy. Not a convert. Now, I'm not talking about converts. Converts are regular Jews. Talk about a goy, a real goy that never converted and not thinking of converting. And a person bought carrying the Torah to his nephew who is a goy and the show gave it to him. What do you mean? He, the guy bought it. Uh, if you're ready to throw away all our religion for a few bucks, then that's the wrong shul to be in. If you know such a shul, get out of that shul. You cannot better to pray by Yahid. How can you give out such a thing? How can you sell it for that? For you sell it to a goy. And therefore also this farim bring down a person who's married to a goya, married to a non-Jew, also cannot get an aliyah. Everybody knows that's wrong. And as long as he's not doing anything for his wife to either get a conversion or to stop basically this intermarriage, he cannot give such a person aliyah. The rabbi has to be strong to be able to put his foot down and hold his ground. And if there's questions or it could be a, maybe a problem with Parnassah, then you have to ask a she'ila. I'm not passing it over here on the radio. Uh, it's, it's each one. No, you don't have to give up your money necessarily for this, but you have to ask, for sure you have to ask a she'ila from a gedolim and Baruch Hashem, plenty of gedolim. You could all ask them what should be your position in the shul if, you, if there is such a case where people have to get an aliyah. The president of the shul is married to Goya and you, I don't know how he's the president in the first place, but anyway, so question upon us, you ask a gedol. You don't just decide on your own. Now I'm going to go to the other extreme. We mentioned that it's only a person who's a kofir mamash, you don't give an aliyah. A person who's mehalil shabbat, but he's doing it out of ta'avot, even though he's doing it before hasya, try to avoid it. And then we spoke about the person who's mehalil shabbat, bitsan'ah. You know, he'll put on the light when nobody's looking, he'll hire the volume on TV. You know, there's some people who keep their TV on on shabbat, and they'll just raise and lower the volume. They don't think it's so wrong. That's also asur. But they don't think it's so bad. Some people text on shabbat, right? Again, they're embarrassed. They won't do it in public. And they pretty much keep everything else. It's just, they have a yetzalat towards something. That's called mehalash b'etzanam. Sometimes, you should know, that even though minhalacha, it's permitted, absolutely permitted to give a person aliyah. He's not a kofir. He believes in the Torah. He keeps every other mitzvah. But sometimes a rabbi has to make a point in the shul. And therefore, even though the halacha permits such a person to go up to aliyah, rabbi has the authority and the right to prevent it from not going up. I'll bring you three proofs. My first proof is, if you look in this farim, the poskim bring down from the Megale Amukot that you cannot give a person who shaves with a razor, you cannot give him an aliyah. What in the world does that have to do with anything? Shaving with a razor? He's not kofir. He keeps every single muzvah. He's the first person in Shahrit. He comes, I don't know if he comes to classes. He keeps Shomer Torah. He's Shomer Muzvot. He keeps Shabbat. He's unbelievable. But he shaves with a razor. He wants to look good in front of the people and back then didn't have, you know, machines. So he had to, he shaves with the razor. Miguel Amikot says you cannot give him an aliyah and a lot of the poskim said the same thing. Why? And the answer is, it was a special takana in their days. It's not a takana that's a pilgrim in our days. A person who shaves in a razor. Nowadays, there's unfortunately worse things that people are doing. But back then, it was a special takana they had to do. Oh, he's not a kofi. He keeps every other mizvah. And you see that in order to make a point, the person who was shaving with the razor was Poretz Geder. 
he was doing something which could have caused many people to follow. So the rabbis has to, had to put his foot down. And even on Medin, you could have technically brought him up. Still, he put his foot down. He said no. Another proof is Megemara, Masechet Shabbat. The Gemara says in Masechet Shabbat that one time there's a person in the times of the Evanim, when the Evanim was, were ruling over Eris Israel, there's a Jewish person who was riding his horse on Shabbat and the Beit Din took him and executed him. Now, to understand the severity of this, let's tell you two Gemarot. One Gemara in Masechet Sanhedrin. The Gemara says, Kol nefesh ahad Israel, kilu kol haolam. If a person destroys or kills one Jewish soul, it's like he destroyed the whole world. The Gemara brings a proof to that from the Pasuk. Very, very important to us, the life of a Jewish person. We go through crazy things just to try to save a person from being killed. The Gemara says, a person who, a Beddin that kills once in seven years, according to another opinion, once in 70 years, it's considered a Beddin Hobelet. It's a it's a, it's a very damaging Beddin. It's not a good Beddin that they executed a person, one person in 70 years. Now, with that, let's review the case again. A person was riding a horse and they ex- executed him. What's the issue of riding a horse on Shabbat? The answer is, it's a midirabanan. Midirabanan, it's a suit to ride a horse. You might come to break a branch and hit, whip with it the horse. And therefore, it's an Asur Dirabanan. What's the punishment of a person who is over an Asur Dirabanan? Lacha says, a person who is over an Asur Dirabanan, we give him Makat Mardut. So why in the world, did they, how could they execute him? He didn't do an even Isud Deoraita. You're executing your person for noise just for an Isud Rabbanan? And then Gemara says, yeah, because the Sha'at Srikhalikach was at a time when people were be were on that like borderline on that verge where they were very lack, relaxed, relaxed in the mitzvot, and it could have caused a tremendous uh stumbling block for other Jews. They had to make a point and they executed him. And the halakha, yes, permits such a thing to happen. The Rambam brings it down in his halakhot that a bed deen could sometimes do things even though the Torah doesn't permit it in order to make a point, they're allowed to do it. My third proof is what we just read two weeks ago. It says in Parashat Shalah that this person was mekoshesh atzim. He collected wood on Shabbat and Torah says they didn't know what to do with him. They asked Hashem, Hashem says, stone him, kill him. Question is, why? You can tell me he's mechalel Shabbat. Answer is, no. He's not mechalel Shabbat midoraita, midrabanan. Hazal tells us that this person, his kavanah is not to collect wood. It was in order to prove a point. He wanted to prove a certain point, whatever that point was. So it really comes out that the mekoshesh ha'etzim, according to some was of had, he did a melacha she'ena tzricha legufa, which is only nisu de rabanan. Why in the world did they execute him in such a severe way? Sekilah, usually you throw the guy off, let's say the second floor. Over here you executed him by throwing stones in such a severe way. And the answer is, who was the first person who was Mehalel Shabbat, and B'nai Sa'il, Hashem had to make a point that nobody should learn and take example from this person. So again, you have to be careful with this. We repeat, you have to be very careful. You can't just go around making points. But as a rabbi who is in charge of his kahal, who knows his kahal, and he knows that he needs to make a certain point, sometimes even though the person is only Mehalel Shabbat B'tzana'a, sometimes you have to put your foot down. I personally had such a story where a person went out to work on Shabbat and he was working on Shabbat and he had a yard site and he asked somebody to ask, to ask me if he could get an aliyah and he knows in the show we don't give aliyot to people on Mahalal Shabbat even though Haqqa permits it I want to make a point because people were in that specific show people were very relaxed in Hilchot Shabbat in keeping Shabbat and I know a lot of people will probably do a lot of Isturim on Shabbat so I had to make a point of it and I said no I cannot give you an aliyah and he got very offended 
And he said, I'm never coming back. And went on and went on and went on. But I held my ground. And Baruch Hashem, you know what? The guy felt guilty. Two months later, I get a phone call from his son asking me to help him get a job. He doesn't want to work on Shabbat anymore. So I felt at that time that was the right thing to do. Each situation, you may have to ask. You have to ask and find out. Again, you have to be very, very sensitive. Not just very, extremely sensitive in these cases because it could go both ways. If you have to make a point or you have to be sensitive, you have to. You could bring the person sometimes closer, sometimes by giving aliyah that can encourage him. It's not a black and white. That's what I can tell you. It's not a psak, one psak for all. Yeah, each case has to be decided in the right way, in the right time. And of course, if there's a gadol you could ask, you should definitely ask a gadol and don't act on your own. Let's move on now. So the last halachot for before we finish the class of Kriyat Torah. Number one is, okay, next halachot is aliyot to children. Can you give aliyot to children? Even though the halacha permits aliyot to children, many people have a minhag of not giving any aliyot to children. So therefore, if you have such a custom, you don't give aliyot to children. But if you don't have such a minhag, if you see that people do give aliyot to children, halacha permits it, and it's fine. Other halachot that we should know, we'll give you, hopefully with the time that we have, some quick halachot. If you have any questions, by the way, call in please after the show. The We have another 15 minutes about till the, the, the class is over, but I'll be around if anybody has any questions. The number to the studio is 718-683-5858. We'll repeat again afterwards. Or you could text it in at 347-927-8398. Let's begin. There is a halacha that when we give out aliyot, there's an order. Who gets first, second, and third? And of course, if you've been to shul, you know. The first aliyah is given to the Kohen. How come? Because the Torah says, V'kiddashto. Everything in Kedusha, you give the Kohen first. The second aliyah is given to the Levi. Why the Levi? Torah says that Moshe gave the Torah to the Kohanim bene Levi. The Kohanim, the children of Levi. So the Gemara says, don't I know that the Kohanim are the children of Levi? And the Gemara answers, yes, we do know. But it's coming to teach us that Kohen comes up first. And then the Levi gets the second aliyah. And then afterwards already, anybody who's not a Kohen or Levi could get an aliyah. That's what we call the Yisrael. If there is no Kohen in the shul, the Gemara says, Nitparda habila. Anybody could go up. And technically, technically, even a Levi could go up as the first aliyah. There's no Kohen, even a Levi could go up. However, the Gavahim brings down that many, um, many Kehilot, like for example, in the Syrian community, they don't bring up the Levi as the first Oleh. They bring up Israel specifically. Okay, there is such a minhag. We have such a minhag. If you have such a minhag as well, fine. But Mindin, Minhaddin, a Levi could go up as the first Oleh. That's according to the pins of the Oletzion and Hazon Obadia as well. Next, let's say there is no Levi in the shul. There is a Kohen, but there is no Levi in the shul. The same Kohen that gets the Aliyah for the Kohen, he himself goes up again as a Levi. Why the same Kohen? Well, there's no Levi, so who are you going to put up? And if there is no Levi, so why don't you put up a different Kohen? And the answer is, why don't we put another Kohen? Is because we want, we, we don't want people to say that the first Kohen was Pasul, he was not a good Kohen. And that's why we are putting up the second Kohen to make up because the first one is really no good. So that's why we keep the same Kohen to go up. That's why we don't put up another Yisrael over there. Also, the Halakha says, two Kohanim. Also, the Halakha says that two Kohanim cannot go up after each other, or two Levim cannot go up after each other. It's for the same reason. That what? That you shouldn't, we should not have people saying, oh, you know why they put a Levi right after Levi? Because the first one must have had a problem. So this new one is a really kosher one. 
Oh, you know why I put up the two Kohanim after each other? For the same reason. The first one is not a real Kohen, and that's why they put up this person as a Kohen. Some Kehilot, I know by the Ashkenazim, a lot of the Ashkenazim, they don't put up a Kohen at all in the middle. Kohen gets the first Aliyah and maybe the Maftir, and that's it. They don't put up a Kohen at all. Other Kehilot, a lot of the Sefaradim, will put up a Kohen in the middle, but they'll announce, Ya'amod, Mr. Son, Ya'amod, Afilushu Levi, or some say, Bet Aharon, you know, Shishi, whatever it is, they'll give up, they'll give Aliyot Kohanim in the middle as well. Maran brings down also, another halakha, two brothers do not get an aliyah after each other. Why not? And the answer is, al ayin hara. We don't give, even if they say, I don't care about ayin hara. I'm wearing the khamse, I'm wearing the blue uh, dot, I did the segulaf and the hidat, it doesn't make a difference. Two brothers or father and son cannot get an aliyah after each other. The reason is ayin hara, and that's it. We don't uh, look at anything else. Now, question. And it happens in the summer a lot. What if people go away in the summer and they go away for Shabbat and there is no Sefer Torah? What could they do? And the answer is, even though you don't have a Sefer Torah, you should still read from a Humash without any Berachot. No Berachot. Just one person. If, if you're praying with the Minyan, Shahrit and Musaf, a lot of people pray Shahrit and Musaf and that's it. No. Take out a Humash and read that week's Parashah. You don't have a Sefer Torah, but read that week's Parashah and the Haftarah. Could you make brachot in Haftarah? And the answer is you shouldn't make a brachot in unless you got a specific psaq that you're allowed to. But really, try to avoid making a brachot in Haftarah. It's a big mahlokit. I don't want to get into it. Kafahim, the Hidar Mahmir, even the Sefer Torah is Pasul. Hakamadiyah might be Matir, but it's a big discussion. We'll leave it for a different time. We're running out of time. Now, the last halakha, not the last halakha, let me see. Yeah, a few more halakhot regarding Kriyat HaTorah. And here's a very important halakha. Please pay attention. Anybody who, again, who is a gabai or a rabbi in the shul, please pay attention to the following halakha. There's a question. What if a person is reading the, getting an aliyah, in the middle of reading the Torah, you discover a mistake. What do you do? What about if you discover a mistake in the Torah, which means it comes out that the Torah was pasul. So what's the halakha then? Very important to pay attention to the following details. I'm going to detail a little bit to make it clear so that you should know what to do when the time comes. Okay, if you want to look at this, you want to see it clearly. The Mishnah Berurah in Siman Kuf Mem Gimel Halakha Dalit in the introduction to Halakha Dalit spells it out so clearly. Everything I got is straight from there. It's very very clear in the way the Mishnah Berurah brings it. Let's begin like this. First of all, the question is, what is the status of a Sefer Torah that is, uh, I don't want to say Kol Pasu, but that has a mistake? There's a letter that's missing, or there's a letter that's not written properly. The vav looks like a yod, or whatever it is. What is the status of such a Sefer Torah? According to most Rishonim, that Sefer Torah is equal to a printed Humash. It has no difference from it. It's a regular, it's any Sefer Torah that's not 100% kasher, is pasul, it's like a regular Humash. You don't even keep it, technically you're not even supposed to keep it in the same Aron. That's according to the Rishonim. However, the Rambam in his letters, Peir Hador, brings down that really such a Sefer Torah is kasher. You can even make Berachot on it, not a problem. There's no other Sefer Torah, you can take out the Sefer Torah and even make Berachot on it. It's not like a humash. And not only that, he says in front of the the Rebbe Megash, Rabbi Yosef Ibn Megash, and Rabbi Yitzhak, referring to the Reef, people have read it with such a Sefer Torah that was Pasul, and they made Berachot, and they never said anything about it. Those are the two opinions. What's the difference? Well, the difference would be as follows. According to the ones that say that the Sefer Torah has a mistake, is Pasul, one mistake even, it means that anybody who got an Aliyah really was not really an Aliyah. So even though you had four people going up as an aliyah, it's not really considered an aliyah. So nobody went up. You still need to invite now 
seven people. And whatever you read means nothing. It's like you read from a humash. However, according to the other opinion, according to the Rambam, in his Chuvot, it comes out that no, the Sefer Torah is kasher, whatever you read was good. You could even make a barakot on it, keep it there. You don't have to, you could keep it there. But again, the Rambam is only bedi'avad. Lechatela, even the Rambam will agree to take out a Sefer, kosher Sefer Torah. Those are two opinions. One holds the Sefer Torah is pasul completely, it's like a regular homage. The other one holds that it's kasher, not a problem, you could even continue making barakot on it. What's a psaq halacha? So we have two opinions, Maran and the Ramah. Guess what? Mahlok, it's Sfaradim, Ashkenazim. But not 100%. Let's explain. Maran goes with the opinion of Rabbi Yaakov Beirav. That's his rabbi. If you go to Tzfad, there's a shul of Rabbi Yaakov Beirav. That's the rabbi of Maran Shohan Aruch. And his opinion is as follows. He makes a compromise between the two opinions. And he says as follows. That the Sefer Torah becomes Pasul only once the mistake is discovered. Which means that whatever you read up to that point, the Sefer Torah was kasher, all the alim were kasher, everything was fine. Every aliyah that was up to that point, it's kasher. Now we discover this pasul, from now on, there's a problem. Which means, the berachot that were said were valid. But you can't continue anymore. So therefore, you take out a second Sefer Torah, and you continue from the place where you found the mistake, the beginning of that pasuk. And for the new Sefer Torah, you don't say berachot, remember, Sefer Torah was valid up to your Berach up to you found the mistake. So now, when you take out the new Sefer Torah, the same Olay stays up. You don't repeat the Berach Rishona. You read from where the mistake was, and then you say Berach Aharana only on this new kosher Sefer Torah. So again, according to the Sfaradim, all Sfaradim follow the Salakha. You don't have to worry. If you're a Sfaradi, you follow the Salakha. If you find a mistake that for sure it's a mistake, then what you do is you... Close the Sefer Torah, you keep it on the table, you bring out another Sefer Torah, and then you, you don't make any Berakha, not Berakha Harona or Berakha Rishona. You bring out the new Sefer Torah, you continue reading from where the mistake was, and then make a Berakha Harona on the new kosher Sefer Torah. The Ramah has a different opinion. The Ramah really is a little bit complicated. I don't have time. I'm really running out of time. I don't want to mention the whole. It, it is a little bit complicated to go through the opinion of the Ramah, but I will point out that even the Ashkenazim, a lot of the Ashkenazim follow, especially the Hasidim, follow the Psaq of Shohan Ruch over here. And because this is not such a common case, but it does happen once in a while, it's important that you should know the Halakha. You should check with your Posek what the Halakha is when a person makes a mistake. And every Rav have to be, has to be aware of this. I remember when I first became a Rabbi of Shul, I got tested right in the first two weeks. I think it was the first month they took out a Sefer Torah and we found a Psul inside of it. So at the time, not necessarily did we know, did we define if it was the right uh, kasher or not, whatever it was. But basically, you have to be very, very careful, by the way, not to just disqualify any Sefer Torah. You have to know what you're talking about. If you know what you're talking about and you find that's really Pasul, then you can say, but just to open up your mouth, just because you learned some halakhot here and there, you have to be very, very careful not to be motzilaz on the Sefer Torah. Okay. So that's that's number that's something to keep in mind. So rabbis have to know this halakha and gabbaim have to know halakha. There's a psul, what to do with it. Okay? When you take out, by the way, for the Sfaradim, when you take out the new Sefer Torah, the old Sefer Torah is kept on the Teba. And only once you're putting back the Sefer Torah, like you usually do, right before Musaf, then you put back both Sefer Torah. Ashkenazim, however, will take the Sefer Torah that's pasul, they put it back and take out a new Kasher Sefer Torah. One more point I do want to bring out, a lot of people make a mistake in this. Sometimes in the halakha says, you ask a katan to tell you to define for you what's the letter, if it's kasher or not. 
So you should know a katan that we're talking about over here is not anybody under Bar Mitzvah. It has to be a child who knows how to read the letters but cannot read the words yet. That's called a katan. And also, you don't just ask him the letter that you need to ask him. You ask him different letters in the Sefer Torah to see that if he knows what he's talking about. For example, let's say you want to know if it's a Vav or a Yud. So you show him other letters that are clearly a Vav, other letters are clearly a Yud. And if he answers correctly to the other letters, and you have to mix in the letter that's in question that he shouldn't figure out which letter that you're asking him. And then you could decide based on the Psaq of a Katan, but not just any any, any, any kid on the Bar Mitzvah. We have a few minutes. Let me finish the Halachot and the Benish Hai. We have three Halachot to go through. Halacha Chaf Aleph. Benish Hai talks about that the best Aliyah for a mourner is the Aliyah of Maftir. Why, do we, why is the Aliyah of Maftir the best? That's Api Kabbalah. So if a person is in Avil within the first year, the best Aliyah for him to get is the Aliyah of Maftir and to say the Haftarah. The Haftarah itself to go very quickly, some very quick halakhot about the haftarah. The haftarah should always follow the last reading. What does that mean? It means if you, like this Shabbat, this Shabbat we're going to read Parashat Hukat, and we're going to take out a second Sefer Torah, because it's also Rosh Chodesh, Rosh Chodesh Tammuz, and we're going to read from the second Sefer Torah, the parasha of Rosh Chodesh. If a person, excuse me, the haftarah that we read is the Haftarah of Rosh Chodesh. Why? Because you always read the Haftarah with the last subject that was read in the shul. And even though technically you could just begin the Haftarah, but we, the Halakha is that we read for the last Oleh, part of the Sefer Torah, part of the Parashah, out of the honor of Sefer Torah, we read part of the Sefer Torah, which is the Oleh of Maftir, together with the Haftarah. When it comes to the Haftarah itself, there's two Menagim, the Ashkenazim Sfaradim. More, uh, all Sfaradim, we follow the halakha of the Arizal, where each person should read the Aliyah. You don't make the Berakha, you listen to the Berakha of a person getting the Aliyah, but you yourself should read the Haftarah. The Ashkenazim, however, they follow that the Haftarah is read in Bitsibur in public. One person, the person, just like Ibn al reads the Sefer Torah, they also have the person who is the last Oleh who reads the Haftarah. And again, you'll follow the Minhag that you have, whatever you have on the what's it called, that's what you'll follow wherever you are. Okay, the last two halachot in Benishai, Benishai talks in Halachah Avid about Musaf, and we say the Musaf, we don't have time to explain it, but basically, one quick halachah about Musaf is if a person has to pray Musaf in Ha, he didn't pray yet Musaf, and he's delayed already to the time that he has to pray Minha, first he pray Minha and then Musaf, and a person should not delay the Tiflah Musaf past seven hours from the morning. If he does, he's called a Poshia. He's Yotse de but he's called a Poshia. And find the last halacha. We say Keter in the Hazara of Musaf. And in Keter, we say Ayyeh Mekom Kewadol Aritzo. When the Hazan is saying the word Ayyeh, he should stretch it out because when you stretch out the word Ayyeh, at that moment, we're receiving the third part of the Neshama called the Neshama of the day. Okay, we say that there's Nefesh Ruach and Neshama that we receive on Shabbat in the evening. And again, we receive them in Shabbat day. And that comes when we say the words Ayyeh. Now, I had to cut out on a lot of things, but pretty much we f- finished Parashat Toldot. Next week, Parashat Hashem, we hope to begin Parashat Vayetze, which discusses the laws of Motzei Shabbat, like what time Shabbat over, Rabbi Nutam, etc., laws of Havdalah, Mlavi Malka, and all these halachot. Until then, have a wonderful Shabbat and Rosh Chodesh. Rosh Chodesh Tov, Mborach, Parashat Hashem, Hashem should protect us in the summer, us and all our children. This class will be aired on again tonight on jradio.com. 
at 11 o'clock. And if anybody would like to call into the station, the number is 718-683-5858. See a few people waiting online already. And the text line, if you anybody wants to text, will be here for another few minutes, 347-927-8398. We'd like to thank Jade Radio and Iran and BSD Productions for all their help as usual. Thank you very much. Have a wonderful week.